Hey, I know you, sort of. This is D, and you're listening to Medicine Remixed on Anchor. And I don't know why I'm speaking in this cadence, but I'm coming to you live and direct, not really live, certainly direct, from my home office. It's about midnight, but I had a interesting flashback, we'll call it, involving a patient uh, that we saw a couple days ago, young male. He had this congenital malformation of the brain that when we looked at it on his MRI result was striking. It was just so abnormal, for lack of a better term, um, just structurally. It just looked like it shouldn't work. One hemisphere of his, of his brain, it just didn't have the right architecture. It just kind of lacked the soul side, kind of the folds of the brain. Some parts the, a little gummed up. The white and the gray matter of the brain weren't really where they should be. But yet, when you looked at them, he looked perfectly fine. And he was doing fine in school, doing great actually. Very charismatic kid, very fun. And it just got me to thinking just kind of, a, you know, about the complexity of the brain and the million and one ways and we've talked about it before, this idea of neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to just sort of compensate for maybe structural damage, you know, uh, toxic injury, whatever the case may be. And you hear about folks sometimes, you know, who are either blind or hard of hearing and one of the other senses kind of kicks in and takes over for that. So anyway, the reason I bring all this up is because it, we started talking about, you know, just grades and performing in school and how we're doing. And the topic of memory came up. And I've always been fascinated by memory, uh, as I'm sure most people who've taken a second to even think about it probably catch themselves being like, I wonder how exactly this works. And I've always just been sort of in awe of how we remember anything. You know, when I get out of work and I just remember how to get home and I get home. Nobody really thinks twice about it. I think that's why it's so devastating when something like dementia hits in our older age, because something that we literally take for granted, like a lot of things, but something that's so fundamental to what we do is just remembering things, remembering people's names, remembering how to write, remember how to put our socks on. I don't know if you've ever walked into a room and not remembered why you were going to that room in the first place. You know, you remember those moments, even for little things. So when it came to learning and, you know, memorizing things, as you could imagine going through medical school, the, the amount of stuff we had to learn was ungodly. And I was always struck by how professors would, you know, start lectures off by saying things like, you know, if I was in med school now, I don't think I would make it. You guys have to know so much and memorize so much. And there's so much new information out there. There wasn't, you know, a tenth of this when we were in med school. And it's, you know, this databases are constantly growing. It's a lot to memorize. So I, I just started reading about memory and, and just trying to figure out how I could improve mine. You know, I, I remember the book I got, it was during undergrad and it's like a five minute read. I mean, you'd blow right through it if you bought it now as an adult. And it's called Where There's a Will, There's an A. And the reason I got it was because I was in a bookstore and uh, one of the books that I picked up was that book and it was about memory and I want I was just fascinated that somebody could write a book about memory and how to improve yours because I never really was under the impression that yeah, you can't improve that you have a good memory or you don't maybe you can tweak it here and there but how are you gonna write a book about improving your memory this has got to be complete bullshit right so I picked it up started reading and was kind of fascinated that there were tricks and I read more I read more I read more and I ended up stumbling on this one article it was an article in the magazine wired and it was titled want to remember everything Thing you'll ever learn question mark surrender to this algorithm I mean if you're not intrigued already I don't know what to say I mean <laughs> surrender to this algorithm I remember being so pulled in just drawn into that and thinking algorithm what's this about 
And what came of it was me hunting down this application for a computer called Super Memo. And I remember uh, it was like before, you know, the internet is what it is now and you could just go on Amazon and get something or get a bit torrent and get whatever the hell you want from whatever country you want. Um, and I hunted down this program and I want to talk to you about it because it was something that I, I used all the way through med school. I still use today and I tell everybody I can about it. It's free. It's online. And I really honestly, I credit it with getting me through a lot of the material in med school that made it possible for me to study for my boards and all this other stuff. I want to share that with you guys. So stay tuned. Again, Medicine Remix only on Anchor. And we're back for part two of Do You Want to Remember Everything You Ever Learned Forever? That was for dramatic effect. So I'll do my best to boil this down. All you really need to know, well, you don't need to know it, but it's helpful to know, is that people have studied memory for a long time. And very early on, there was a gentleman who, I believe it was in the 1800s, who was actually just writing down random sequences of numbers and trying to memorize them. Going to bed, waking up, seeing if he could repeat them correctly. And from there, it sort of evolved. And I guess you could call it the, the aha moment of studying, studying. In 1932, a psychology professor, Cecil Mace, coined the phrase spaced repetition or the spacing effect. The notion being that each time you studied something, if you got it correctly, you would add a little more time between now and when you would study it again. If you got it wrong, you should probably review it sooner. Makes sense, right? The issue was, what was the perfect time, right? Because if that statement is true that if you can space that learning that you're going to have an improved experience and better recall and longer uh, retention of information that if you could dial this in somehow that'd be awesome well everybody's different right some things you just remember because you like them they're interesting you remember the environment the teacher was good whatever the case is but trying to figure out what the perfect time was was tricky that was all until the advent of computers, where instead of just having a flashcard and kind of guessing when's the next best time, right? Like the guy who was just writing out digits and trying to recall them the next day and trying to figure out what were the patterns there? Why was I able to remember that better today than I was yesterday? Well, with the advent of computers, you were able to take flashcards and if you got a state capital wrong, then that went in one box. And if you got it right, that went in another box. And that's sort of what went on for a long time. When a young graduate student, Mr. Wozniak, Polish gentleman in the 80s, was also enamored with this idea of memory. And I remember in the article in Wired, he talks about how he was sitting in class and he was thinking, shit, I'm, you know, I'm learning all this stuff and I want to know this forever, but I know that's not going to happen. I'm going to forget it. And so much of med school is just that. There were so many times where I'd be sitting there listening to a lecture and all that was going on in my head was me saying to myself, fuck, I knew this. I knew this at one time. And, you know, they say that you're the smartest you're ever going to be after your second year of med school, because that's when you have to take your first step of the licensing board. So you're, you're full of all this information, and then it slowly just sort of seeps out of your brain. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever crammed for anything, you know that feeling where each 
question you answer, you just feel like now that information has just evaporated out of your head and you'll never know it again. But it was good enough for the exam and then you get out of there. Well, what Wozniak did was he developed a software program and that software program was Super Memo. And Super Memo was super shitty. It was really, really basic. It was on a PC. It was ugly and wonky. But what he did was he developed an algorithm that would kind of compute everything and it would allow you to make a flashcard. You could say you, whatever you want on the front, you'd hit enter, it'd flip it over, and then you'd say whether you got it right or wrong. Since that time, since the mid 80s, um, there've been a ton of other programs hitting the market and they've allowed you to sort of modify and fine tune his algorithm. The one I want to tell you about is Anki, A-N-K-I. It is a Japanese word for memory it's free and the cool thing about Anki is it allows you to grade yourself from one to four and you one is you know I was terrible I didn't even get close two was ah those words look familiar three is damn I was close so close and four was nailed it and what it'll allow you to do or your child to do is make a bunch of flashcards and after they go through the deck a couple of times the algorithm will start to really compute everything and every day they look at the program it'll have cards ready for them that is most optimized for them to remember this for the long term so all they got to do is open it up look and it'll say you have 10 cards due today and there you go it's fucking brilliant man so i really encourage you to use it give it a go see if you like it the really cool thing is on top of everything we talked about is that you can share decks so if somebody does a deck on states and, and capitals you can borrow that deck they can give it to you you can use it and the opposite is true there's a little community online where people already have decks that you can use so you don't have to spend time making them it's awesome if you have questions hit us up in the comments leave us a message otherwise thanks for listening medicine remixed on anchor peace In the summer of 2014, the calendar was turning from July to August. Temperatures were peaking in the high 90s and low 100s. Once again, it was that time of year, the dog days of summer. It was also the height of a viral mania of clouded origins sweeping the nation everywhere at ballparks and at community fairs, among politicians and celebrities, and between everyday Americans. This mania was called the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. The cause was funding research to cure amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, a rare and fatal neurodegenerative disease known by its abbreviation ALS. ALS causes the death of nerve cells controlling voluntary movements such as those for swallowing, breathing, and speaking. In addition, ALS can degrade one's cognition and memory. Eminent physicist Stephen Hawking has ALS. What is the future of the human race? Most famously, Hall of Fame baseball player Lou Gehrig died in 1941 from the disease. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. The ALS Ice Bucket Challenge worked in the following way. A challenger would tweet, broadcast, publicize, or in some way throw down the gauntlet to the person being challenged. I accept the challenge and I will nominate Will Ferrell, Young Jesus, Nelly. The person being challenged then either would submit to a dowsing of ice water 
or would donate $100 to the ALS Association, and he or she would issue the challenge to the next person. Eminem, Snoop Dogg, and Kendrick Lamar. ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Shout out to the G-Unity Foundation. We're still making a donation. Essentially, the challenge was a self-perpetuating way to fund a charitable cause and to pay it forward. Public figures who either have donated $100 or have drenched themselves in ice cold water include President Barack Obama. The U.S. government says an ethics code means officials are banned from the stunt, but the charity says the president has donated an undisclosed sum. Singer Justin Bieber. Accept your ice bucket challenge. <laughs> Athlete LeBron James. I accept the challenge from Brandon Williams, Kevin Durant, Kevin Hart. <laughs> among many others. Although the ALS Association didn't initiate the Ice Bucket Challenge, the origins are shrouded in multiple theories, the ALS Association did become the lucky and unintended beneficiary. In the first year of the challenge, the charity pulled in over $100 million. Every summer since then, revivals have raised additional money. To sum up, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge was a coming together of serendipity, generosity, the collective power and virality of the internet. The challenge was a unique moment in time. It was a new creative fun and an outside the box approach to funding a cause and to having the masses get behind that cause. Will this type of fundraising become the wave of the future or was it a one-off phenomenon? Only time will tell. We would love to hear about your favorite memories and experiences with the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Did you participate in the challenge? Do you have any fun stories to share? Let us know by leaving a comment. I'm Big H. Thanks for tuning in to this segment of Today in Medical News. You're listening to Medicine Remix only on Anchor. Biggest piece of medicine they need. Just remix. Now drop, now drop, now drop, now drop, now drop. Medicine Remix. Good old docs over there at Med Remix, the best station on Anchor. You guys are doing amazingly and you do some of the best stuff out there. And, uh, well, no, you know what? The best stuff out there, frankly. There's no one else really doing what you guys are doing in general on the internet. Shout out to the Medicine Remix. Shout out to uh, Medicine Remix who put me on to Anchor. Hi, this is my first call and I wanted to say how much I love Medicine Remix. I love all the music you guys select and sample and how you keep medicine interesting. You know, I really just want to show my gratitude for what you put out on the Medicine Remix show. Because every time that I listen to it, I just get so impressed. I really appreciate you guys putting me in your uh, little intro. That is awesome. I am very appreciative of that because uh, you are my favorite anchor station. Thanks a lot, guys. Love your channel. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm loving it. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate the content. What else can I say?